Thanks for tuning in. My name's Andre Servin, and you're listening to Off the Roost Podcast, brought to you by Off the Roost Custom Calls, turkey calls for the serious hunter. Join me and my co-host, Paul Murdahl, as we delve into the world of the wild turkey, covering everything from calling tips and tactics and hunting strategies to the latest equipment available, featuring interviews from special guests and custom call giveaways. We'll do our best to keep you up to date on this obsession we call turkey hunting. We appreciate you joining us. Now let's get on with the show. All right, welcome back to the Off the Roost podcast. What um what we got going on here is we got bonus episode, bonus bonus material that we got from our interview with Anthony Anthony Ezolt, the wingbone maker. Um, we had some technical difficulties, I guess you'd say, and we needed to record re-record some of the audio files we had of Tony playing his calls. And um, in the process, we um, got Tony to play another call that he has, a king call, and had a pretty interesting conversation. So we decided to let you guys listen into it, listen to it as a bonus episode. So um, we're just going to get right into it when when the interview starts. It's just we're going to get right into calling right away. So um, we hope you enjoy. Okay. All right, I'll, that's how I I generally tell people to practice. Right. Get the first note of your yelp, that key yelp, key yelp. And even instead of just trying to do a yelp, just go ahead and try to draw it out. Do the key and hold it, and then, then you can drop your jaw or whatever and, and, and get the second note. But I usually tell guys, then get that top note and then just hold it. And it just, what it does, it makes you con- it makes you learn to control your air. So I'll just run, I'll run a few of those. how I teach people to do the key key also because a lot of guys say, well, I can't do that. So, well, if you can yelp, you can learn to do the key key. Right. You already got the first, first note. You just got to learn to hold it. Right. Right. Hold it. And then, and then just get that, get it, get it. So where you yeah. can get it to drop off into that yelp. And that, that actually sounds yeah. pretty good. I mean, there. I, I like that. Yeah. When I, talk, when I talk about it, I make it sound easy and I'm so used to doing it. And I know it, it's, it seems a little difficult, but like I, I think like I was explaining before, once you do it and you get it, you go, son of a gun, that's as easy as pie. But if, until you get the feel for it, you know, I, I get it. It is a little bit tough. Right. Well, you get, the, you, very, get the, very, 
you get the mus you get the muscle memory and stuff like that in place. Just once you feel that how it is, and like I said, I am not putting any effort into that whatsoever. The easier and the, and the more controlled you keep it, the better off you are. And right. That's when it'll. You're trying, and your lips are sore, and you're puffing and puffing, and you're getting red in the face. But take a break because you you're doing something wrong. You're trying way too hard. Right. So now, Tony, let's um, let's get you to do say, you're um. You know, you're sitting, you got in the woods, you're sitting at your tree, you know, and you're just going to start a um, a nice little conversation. Take as much time as you want, you know, but, you know, not too long drawn okay. out, you know. Maybe maybe you're going to start out with the little clucks or something like that and just, you know, you're reaching out and you're just you're just saying, here I am. Give, yep. us, give us a little some of that. All right. Bang. <laughs> was, was that like a mini gobble you put in there? Well, just I was doing some real like little soft purring and, All right. and wine. All right. I, I was like I was like when if you needed coaxing in that last couple of steps, sure. that's kind of what I was simulating. But yeah, sure. kind of get the idea. All that all that sounded really <laughs> really good. <laughs> that did that sounded really good. So I can, uh, I can do just I can do a little quick gobble for you if you yeah, want. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I I just do I just go off. I hardly ever do that when I'm hunting. I was gonna Once wonder. <laughs> cool, cool. So now I understand, you know, I, I, I when when I was on um Oh, gobbler here a little while ago, and they were talking about you know using trumpets and whatnot for, for making certain certain calls. And what uh, what they were talking about like doing cackles and stuff with it. And one of the guys came came on. He's one of the older members and pretty experienced. He came on and said, "Well, you know, I choose the right call for the job I'm trying to put at hand." True. Leaning on that, he didn't think that trumpets and whatnot or wing bones and stuff were the right tools if you wanted to get get aggressive and start cackling and stuff at them so what do you what do you have to say about that 
Well, I mean, I would say it's a, a lot easier to hammer down on a on a pot call if you really want to cut. I mean, you know, let's face it, if you're pretty decent on a pot call, especially like a glass or something very, really staccato and really loud, you know, I mean, and cackling and stuff, and even a mouth call, it's probably a little better, but, you know, once you're good enough on a wing bone, you can make any call on a wing bone or a trumpet than you can, that you can on a any other call. It's just most people aren't good enough to do it. Sure. sure. So maybe, you know, I mean, everybody's different. Everybody does think, you know, some people like a, like, I don't use a box call a lot. No, nothing wrong with them. I love good box call. I just don't hunt with them a lot. Right. But, you know, you could take a guy that's good on a box call, buddy. He's going to run the knot out of it, you know. It really sounds good and it kills a lot of birds. Right. So now, so now you said that, I'm I'm going to put you on the spot then and, and have you do some. Okay. I'm going to have you do some cutting and stuff, you know. Just, you know, work yourself into it. You know, maybe a couple of clucks and some yelps and then, and then sure. go into some cutting. All right. I'll show you how, yeah, when I want to get aggressive, you can get aggressive on it. So. That was aggressive for me. Yeah, that's that's good. I like that. That was really good. When my, when my boys were along, I said, Dad, if they don't gobble that, I'm going home. <laughs> right, right, gotcha, gotcha. But, yeah, you can do anything, you know, anything on these calls as you can on anything else. But, you know, I get, I mean, hey, a lot, I use all turkey calls. I'll, I'll like, want that to be known, too. I mean, there's a lot of good turkey calls out there, and I like them all. And they all work. And, I don't just use wing bones. I use if I'm I like slates and glass calls and right. mouth. I you, used to kill every turkey I killed with a mouth call years ago. I mean, I I didn't use much else. That's but. pretty. That's pretty much how I am right now. I'm now that I'm building the box calls. I'm probably going to be using them quite a bit more. But I was I was pretty much pigeonholed. I you know I'd have my little handful of mouth calls and I'd have a pot pot call or maybe two of them and. Yeah. They only come out if it's super windy or something like that, where I needed to get really loud and well, know, cast some cast some calls a little farther than. Yeah, I... well, yeah, and regardless of what what calls you use, you know, it's always good to have several different calls. And I, you know, especially when I'm hunting big woods or big country, where I, that's my favorite way to hunt is hunting big national forests or state forests or whatever, where you got a lot of room and you're your prospect, you know, you're walking and calling, walking and calling, walking and calling. Every place I stop, I like to run several different calls because you never know. that Sometimes them turkeys are very particular what they're going to gobble to, and you never know. It might be the very last thing you pull out and right. they gobbles. Right. And you just gave your best of all your best calls, you know, and then finally he hits it. Now, whether you just made him mad or what, you know, who knows, or it's just that certain frequency you don't you never know so i always give it at all i i had an experience in georgia here maybe three years ago 
where you know i had i had some gobblers roosted some birds roosted and i got in real close to them early and you know i was only maybe tops 100 yards away from them when they're on roost sure. and they, they started gobbling and whatnot and you know i put some feelers out trying to i think i maybe got one bird to respond to me on the limb and that was it and they flew down and they went around their business and they gobbled and did whatever, you know, a hundred yards away from me. And I called them with my diaphragm and I'd call a little more and they wouldn't respond. So I'd sit there and wait and figure out which are they're going. And they, they fed down to the creek. I could hear them gobbling down towards the creek. And then when they got to the creek, they went quiet for about half hour or so. And then he started gobbling again and started coming up out of the creek bed. And I tried calling back to him again and he just, didn't want nothing to do with it. He kept walking back up kind of towards where where they were roosted in the morning. And finally I just said, man, I'm just going to try this. And, and I pulled my pot call out and I conditioned it up a little bit because it probably, <laughs> it probably hadn't been out of my vest in I bet like two years just for playing. Yeah, you had it work. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I conditioned it up a little bit and I... And I'm not real good on it anymore. So then I eked out a couple little purrs and a cluck. And that duck, that, that dude, he hammered on that so fast. And I was like, oh, my God, yeah. he's over there. And I, it was just long enough, enough time for me to spin spin the tree a little bit and get my gun up. And he come walking in. He, yeah, he come walking in, pushing three jakes in front of him. <laughs> so, I'll be darned. Right. So yeah, I, it a lot. yeah, it happens a lot like that. Yeah, it's. Funny how they are, but I, I, you know, years years ago, you know, when we were when I was first learning to turkey hunt, there wasn't a lot of information out there. You know, guys were pretty tight lipped, and I can remember everybody saying, "Oh, you know, you dare some call much to them. You got to call soft, and only a few yelps put your call down, and don't pick it up for 15 minutes." And like, good lord, thank God I didn't listen to them guys. I wouldn't have killed a daggone thing, you know. <laughs> right. I, I never wanted to let turkey walk away because I didn't call enough. Right. And I, 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 the soft calling and, and even being quiet, that has its place. If you're a turkey hunter and kill a lot of turkeys, you know that's part of the program. But also, there's times delay on them, too, you know. And then sometimes you cut a call right up to the gun barrel. You know, every turkey's every day's different. Yeah. I, I, when I first started turkey hunting, I got I got kind of caught got caught in a rut with the soft calling. The, the first turkey I ever killed. He came in the calling that was so soft on aluminum pot that I could myself barely hear it, let alone yeah. think, think he could hear it. And I, I kind of, I think I kind of got into a rut after that. That every time I called to a turkey, I think I was just too soft a lot of times, and I wasn't piquing oh, interest in a lot of gobblers. Yeah, I mean, I'm don't get I'm, I can be king of the soft calling when it has to be. You know that's. That's generally, I don't really get a lot of volume most of the time, but there's, I always try to crescendo the calling, like particularly if they're not really, really on calling, hammering right on my call, you know, like, okay, they're, they're interested, but they're not fired up. I'll always up the pace a little bit. I can always stop that and go right back to subtle, soft calling, you know. Right. Right. I'll always try to work it up just to, you know, I'll throw a couple cuts in there, a real nasty yelp, just to see if I can get them to hammer right on top of it, you know, fire. Because you can change their mind. Yeah. You know, turkeys that are just skulking around a little bit, you can get them, you can get them fired up, you know. And 
you just got to be easy with them. And if they don't take to it, well, then, okay, you know, I'll, I'll back down. I'll just start doing a little feeding to Persian clocks, you know. Right. I mean, if if you don't try it, you don't, you'll never know if it was going to work or not. Oh, no, no. And, like, I, I had a conversation. I think you might have seen it there on Old God where they were, the guy was talking about. I was saying, don't worry about the alarm putt and all that stuff. You're not, you're not really going to ever do that. And, uh, you know, the guy was even making mention, well, I, sometimes I have to think what I'm going to do. And, like, i got to be honest with you, and I've been hunting turkeys pretty hard for a long time, but I'm a turkey. When I'm out there calling, I am another turkey. I'm not a guy trying to go, well, I want to call to this. What should I do? I don't think about it ever. I don't ever think about what call. I just do what feels right what I, the, the message I want to convey as a hen turkey to that gobbler and that's what I do right and so it, I don't think you know I don't even ever think about it I don't ever think well I must have did something wrong now nah, you, you, you're not going to do anything wrong for the most part right I think unless I, horrible you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think a lot of it has to do do with um you know getting through what type of mood you're in, you know, so you can, you can use different calls, you know, to simulate that you're contented, you know, you could do the clock right. purr or something like that, or just soft contented yelps. And, you know, you, right. you can use the same, same calls that make aggressive purrs and, you know, aggressive yelps and fighting purrs and stuff like that. So, sure. yeah. And I, gen I generally hold back the aggressive stuff until necessary, but right. like I said, I'll throw, I'll see if I can work them up a little bit. You can tell when you need to just barely even call anymore. They're they're coming now. Now they're committed. They're, you know, you're oh, and then it, next time it's 80 yards closer. Uh, okay, something's gonna gonna happen. I don't have to do much here anymore. Other maybe a cluck or two just to keep them coming my way. But other than that, you know, right. you you know when you don't need to call anymore when you don't need to pull out the stops or anything like that right if it, if it gets to that point usually the most i'll do is start scratching some leaves or something sure yep scratching hey sometimes you have to move and it, it could only be 10 or 15 yards just mm -hmm. that one change sometimes that makes all the difference yep yep i think that's what makes turkey hunt so interesting because there's so many strategies and little things you can do and right and so many variables involved that that, that can affect the outcome yep yep Yep. So Tony, I'm fortunate. That, like we talked about, you know, growing up and hunting in the state of Pennsylvania, and I think it's, you know, everybody thinks they got the hardest turkeys in the world, but come to Pennsylvania, find out. These, these birds are tough. They get hunted. There ain't no birds around here that don't get hunted. Right. And we got a lot of hunters. So these birds are tough. I mean, you kill you kill turkeys in Pennsylvania. You can go anywhere, and they seem easy. Right. That's just I, how it is. I, I mean, with my, my trips down south, you know, Georgia, and then the last year to Mississippi, you know, I I think, you know, and I'm, I'm, all my life I've generally been, or pretty much 99.9% .9 of the time I've been on, on public land. Right. And then when I go to them states, the private land gets hit, you know, a little harder than the pub or the private land up yeah. here. So, you know, they're right. a little more wily a little on the on the private land yeah. compared to the difference between the private land gobblers up here and the public land gobblers. The, the, the public. And that and that is the difference regardless of the state. Where wherever they got some serious hunting pressure, those those turkeys learn pretty quick. I mean, everybody says likes to talk about how how turkeys not very smart and I guess in the end they probably aren't 
intelligent. <laughs> but they figure stuff out pretty quick. <laughs> if they want to stay alive, and they, they're survivalists. So however they do it, they do it. All right. So, so Tony, do you, do you happen to have a cane call laying around there? As a matter of fact, I have one laying right here. Yeah. It's pretty much play them the same way you play it. You know, the, any of the, the suction type instruments, you know, whether it's a wing bone or a cane call or a, a trumpet, you pretty much play them the same way. Right. It's all just drawing in the air. Why, why don't you go ahead and lay into that a couple of times? Let me see, see what that one's all right, like. I'll, Maybe 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 even do a comparison between the two and see see if we can tell if there's a difference. Yeah, I don't know. You you'll be able to really tell much. I mean, there's a little bit. I I'd say the cane calls probably a little. I always describe them as a, maybe a little sweeter sound, a little mellower, but not a lot. All right, I'll 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 just do a couple. I'll do a little soft yelping and soft clucking and stuff like that. How was that? <laughs> that was that was that was pretty good. Yeah. People yeah. always ask me which one I like the best, and I was like, I, I use them interchangeably. You know, the, the the wing bone, since it's all bone, is probably a little bit brighter, and then the the cane, in, the outside of the cane is very hard, but the inside is pesky, so it, it does mellow it out right. a little bit. It would be it'd be something similar to what I'm working with right now between my um my walnut and my catalpa wood. With my box calls, uh, yeah, probably the, the walnuts a little softer. Right, the, no, actually, the walnuts, it's it's harder than the catalpas are really soft. Oh, okay, it's okay re, yeah, I'm it's a, a really soft, um, and it's actually got like two grains in the one grain. It's really for a first wood for me to work with it. It wasn't really the the best choice as far as sanding wise because the lighter grain. Dense, dense grain, dense grain wants to peel out better than with the sand grain, with the harder grain. So I gotta, I gotta sand, I gotta sand. I can't just go by hand and sand everything smooth. I gotta have a flat surface to draw everything. So I'm not, I'm not gouging the, the denser or the less dense grain out between the the thicker grain. Are, are you, um, what style box calls are you making? Um, you make, make it would be a cost style. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'll right. have to. I'll have to give you my. Uh, I'll have to give you my buddy Mike Lapp's number. Maybe he give you a few tips. Sure. He's you, you, the you, biggest award-winning box call maker. You know him and Scott Baser. They're the two best. You know in the country. Right. You, of word. When you were talking about heading down to um, to Unicoi, and you you rattled uh -huh. off that list of names that you that you rattled off. I was like, man, that's, that's quite the accomplishment <laughs> list of, of call makers yeah, you're it? traveling down there with. <laughs> yeah. How about it? Yeah, right. An old, an old Ralph Sodgrass. He's a right. old turkey killer. 
for a long time. He hunted with he hunted with Neil Cost a lot, you know. Sure. All them guys. Sure. Yeah, it was, there's a lot of history there. Sometimes you take it for granted, you know. Right. I, you know, and and for the longest time, I I didn't really start getting you know looking into the history of turkey calls and turkey hunting here until you know the last you know maybe four or five years. You know, like yep. I think when Andre was saying, you know, we we really don't have the turkey hunting culture around here. And right, but I, still, it was other places in the country. You know, it's neat to. A lot of them southern states are, had a lot of culture, like you were saying, you right. know, like Mississippi, all them places, you know, where, where the early call makers began. Yeah. Of course. Anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right, Tony, man. It was really good talking to you. All right. You too, Paul. Yeah. And like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll go, yeah, get off this number and I'll go back to that rich number you called me on. That's your, I guess that's your cell number, correct? Yep. And then I'll, I'll put you in my phone, and then I'll send you Mike's uh, contact info. All right, cool, man. All right, brother. Hey, enjoyed it. Yep, I did too. Thank you. Okay, Paul. See, hey, have a good night. Yep, you too. All right, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Off the Roost podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, or whatever it is we're supposed to do. We greatly appreciate it. You can also follow us on Instagram at Off The Roost Calls and TikTok at Off The Roost Pod. Stay tuned for future episodes where we'll do our best to keep you informed and try to preserve the heritage that surrounds the elusive and sometimes mystical animal that is the wild turkey.